Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Christ is born. Good morning. Are you comfortable this morning? Be at ease. You know, sometimes it's time to, there's a time to stand at attention, and there's a time to be at ease. There's a time for pomp and circumstance, and there's a time to recline at the table. There's a time to stand before the great almighty king in his great palace, and there's a time to recline upon the breast of our Savior. So this morning, be at ease. Be comfortable, at least for a little while. That just means I'm going to ramble this morning. Don't be in so much of a hurry. Just relax and sit back. This is a joyous time, this great week of these feasts in this Christmas season. I think, I think this Christmas week has become one of the highlights of my year, personally. Each year, as we go through the cycle of services, it becomes more and more and more deeply meaningful to me, more enriching. We had ten masses in the last ten days, which ended on Friday. Yesterday, I didn't know what to do with myself, but at least we had Vespers and Benediction, so it was okay. Thinking back over the anticipation during Advent, and how things built up to this past week, this great feast of Christ's nativity, the beautiful midnight mass, the mass during the day, these holy days of Christmas week. The day after the Christmas feast, we celebrated the feast for St. Stephen, who is the proto-martyr, the first martyr of the church. Very important, St. Stephen. He was stoned to death for his love of God and Christ. There, while on his knees in the dust, stones coming down upon him, the heavens opened before St. Stephen, and he saw Jesus, there his Savior, standing, standing in heaven at the right hand of the majesty of God. And he prayed for his killers. Some of us were there this past Wednesday night at this feast, and it was life-changing. We prayed for... Our subdeacon, Stephen, who faces challenges in his life, and it was good to be together as a community, to pray for him, to be in the presence of St. Stephen, the proto-martyr, who has shown us the way of love. He was with us, and it was good. Then, on the next night, we had Mass for St. John, the Apostle, my personal favorite. I guess it's okay to have favorites. Jesus seemed to have favorites. Sorry, all you egalitarians out there. (laughs) That great eagle who soars in the heavens and most importantly teaches others how to soar. The beloved disciple, the one who reclined on Jesus' breast. The one who would remain, as we heard in many of the propers, he shall remain. The one who would especially be close to Jesus, precious to our Lord. Every other apostle was martyred. John alone would live to old age and die in peace, even though there were many attempts made on his life. 
Once he was given poisoned wine. He lived through that. We blessed wine after Mass. And in his name, we blessed the cup of love. And we shared it with one another in honor of John and in love for one another. He was also boiled in oil, but he was preserved. The hymn St. Ambrose wrote for his feast day says that the boiling oil did nothing but to wash away the filth of the world. So he just took a bath in boiling oil, and he was unhurt. This great eagle, this soaring eagle of God, he flew into the heavens, and he wrote that great mysterious things that he saw there. He disclosed in his gospel the greatest mystery of the one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Through his words, the world was illuminated. We were with him, soaring in the heavens on Thursday night. It was glorious. Then on Friday, the third great feast of Christmas week, that of the Holy Innocents. We embraced on Friday night the contradiction of Christ's coming into the world. The Prince of Peace, the bringer of joy, who also brings with him contradiction. He brought the sword of Herod upon the holy innocents. And so in the midst of this great light, there was also a great darkness. In the midst of great joy, there was great sorrow and lament. It is beautiful and was beautiful to see how delicately the church handles this feast. In the hymns and prayers, but even in the colors chosen for that night, We call these innocent babes martyr flowers and talk about how they played with their martyr's crowns. They are innocent. The tone of the Mass is actually upbeat in a strange way, and yet white vestments would not be appropriate. Red, the normal color for martyrs, and we know them as martyrs. We did not wear red. It just seems too harsh on such a night. And on such an occasion, too much to bear when it comes to the death of these children. And so we vest in purple, a color which reflects the solemn mourning of the occasion, even while at the same time the prayers and hymns actually focus on the victory of these children who have won the martyr's crown. They have bypassed the suffering of this world and gone straight to glory. Now they are interceding for us in heaven. So we grieved, and there were many here who had lost children, who have known children to be lost. One of, our, one of Mary's handmaids went out and bought some beautiful roses and put them on a table out there so people could take a rose and visit the creche, pray for a loved one, remember a child, and place the rose in the creche. So we were grieved, but we also rejoiced in these innocent martyr flowers who now live and intercede for us. We were with them and they were with us on Friday night. It was very special. It was very comforting. Today, today on this Sunday in the octave of our Christmas feast, our gospel recounts what happened when Joseph and Mary took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. We will properly celebrate this feast on February 2nd. But today we have a portion of the reading. Our reading picks up just after righteous Simeon gives us the canticle for Vespers, a fixture of daily prayer for us, the nunc dimittis, which basically means 
It's now you dismiss, now I depart. Simeon had waited in hope for a very, very long time. And now, here he was, the ancient Simeon, holding the very salvation of God in his arms. A salvation for all peoples, a light for all mankind, the glory of the people of God. Well, I suppose that can't ever be topped, so there was no reason to stick around any longer. It was time for him to depart this life and go be with his fathers. He had reached the pinnacle of life in holding the Christ child. It was time to go. Just following this great song of hope fulfilled and the vision of victory, we begin our gospel reading today. And it says, And his father and mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Simeon says these most wonderful things about the Christ child. And Joseph and Mary, they marvel. They are amazed. They are in wonder at the things spoken of Jesus. And then we read, Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Hmm. <laughs> what happened? Simeon, you were so buoyant just a few moments ago, talking about salvation and light and glory. Why the sudden mood shift? Well, this is our reality. Our joy in this life is not that God has dispersed our enemies. No, not yet. Rather, he has prepared a table for us in the midst of our enemies. The final dispersion will come at the end of the age. If we do not get this fixed in our hearts, and if we do not accept it by faith, we're in for a very long night. This child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Jesus, this Prince of Peace, said in another place, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. On another occasion... After Jesus had healed a man blind from birth, the religious leaders got mad and threw the fellow out of the synagogue. Jesus heard they had put him out and finding him said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world so that those who do not see, it see may see and that those who may see may become blind. You see, the child is set for the fall and rising of many. Those who are standing when he comes will fall and those who are down when he comes will be raised up. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. If we stand in our pride and self-righteousness, then when we come into the presence of the Lord, we will fall. We will be crushed by the judgment of our sin. 
This is just what happens when chaff comes into the fire. When the impure comes in contact with the holiness of God. But the waver chaff to be turned into gold. For the impure to be made pure. The good news is it's not difficult. It's not complicated. You don't have to be particularly smart or strong or good looking. It's available for every man, woman and child. No matter your talents or abilities. Requires no specialization, no unique skill. And therefore there is no excuse for anyone not to simply fall down before God in humility and repentance and desire. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So the revelation of God in the flesh, it is light and joy and peace and hope fulfilled. It is the lifting up of the downcast, the healing of the broken, the release of the prisoner. But it is also the destruction and fall of the self-righteous and impure who refuse to fall on their faces before the Lamb who is worthy. Simeon goes on to say this child is a sign to be spoken against. Jesus will scandalize almost everyone in some way. He will be challenged and maligned and rejected. The light came into the world, but the people love darkness. The very fact that God has become a human with human flesh, human emotions, human limitations. This is an insurmountable scandal to everyone except those who believe in him by the Holy Spirit. His judgment of false religion, his teaching, even his miracles were a scandal. He is the truth. He is the light. And he has been opposed and a scandal by the world. His mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, our mother, who has been made pure, who loves her son like no other, she too will suffer in all of this. Simeon says, a sword will pierce your soul. She will hear the blasphemous lies spoken of Jesus. She will see him maligned and misunderstood. She will witness the betrayal. She will see him taken, judged, beaten. She will stand at the foot of the cross and look upon him whom she loves. She will hear him cry out as if he had been abandoned even by his heavenly father. He had been abandoned by everyone else. Even though his father did not abandon him, he suffered. She witnessed all of this and she felt it deeply in her soul. She will witness him take his last breath and leave her there alone. Simeon tells her, a sword shall pierce your own soul. So in this Christmas season, we sing and we delight and we rejoice. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. The angels rejoice. A star shines in the heavens. Peace is declared to all men. And yet a sword shall slay the innocent. A sword he shall bring upon the earth. A lance shall pierce his side, and a sword shall pierce your own soul, dear Mother Mary. Simeon goes on and says that the thoughts of many may be revealed. That which is in the dark will be brought into the light. This is nothing short of a declaration of the absolute victory of the truth over the lie. The light shall 
dispel the darkness. Our enemies shall be vanquished and destroyed. Everything will be revealed in the end. All will be reconciled and made right because Christ is risen from the dead. Through the suffering, the enemy will be destroyed. As the scriptures tell us, if we die with him, we shall live with him. Christ is born, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the season of Christmas. But we cannot escape the fact that he is also a man who lives, a man of sorrows, a man rejected and despised. He leaves us. He leaves being betrayed. He leaves us in death. And when he does, darkness covers the earth. But then quickly, just a few days, he comes again forth from the grave in glorious immortality. He, our elder brother, goes before us into glory. Now all of this has already happened. It's all an accomplished fact for all of us sitting here today in the 21st century, here in Virginia. And yet, we are still living and experiencing and knowing God within the cycle and rhythm of these trans-temporal events. If you want to find meaning for your life on a sustained daily basis, then you must engage and be continuously shaped by the birth of Christ, the baptism of Christ, the scourging of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection and ascension of Christ, the gift of the Spirit poured out by Christ. You experience these great mysteries of our salvation through the liturgical worship of the church. Some of you believe me. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not. This is not a didactic exercise. This is a mystical experience of these very trans-temporal events. You are being deified by your reception of the body and blood of our glorified Lord in the Eucharist. You are being changed and transformed from glory to glory as you enter more deeply into the worship of God as the body of Christ in the Spirit. Now, the wise men. The wise men are coming. They're coming shortly, just a few days. The wise men are coming here. They're going to show up. They're making their way here. And I'm telling you, and I'm not kidding, they're really coming. Go with them to the Christ child. Offer with them precious gifts. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Now the Holy Family, they're going to come to the temple in a few weeks. You need to be there with them in the temple with the child Jesus and his mother and Joseph. Where else would you rather be? Why would you stay out and miss this great event? We read about these things in the scriptures and we marvel. We say, oh, how wonderful it would have been to be there. You can be there. In fact, you have something better. You can be there, but now you have the spirit. You know Jesus, not just according to the flesh, but in the spirit. You can attend his baptism. You can hear the voice from heaven. You can be at his healings. You can sit on the, and listen to his Sermon on the Mount. 
You can hold his hand as he walks along the way of suffering. You can sit with him at the Last Supper, and you do, and you are this very day. You can become his very body. You can go up on the mountain and see him transfigured in his glory. You can assemble together in the upper room and hear the thunder and feel the wind and be shaken by the glory. Why do we not come and enter into these marvelous things which are very real and present in our midst? We read about the saints, we hear about the saints, and we wonder at them, to have known them, to be close to them. You do know them. They are your friends. They want to be your friends. They want to encourage you. They want to be a part of your life. They've invited you to their banquet. Do not stay away. Make the saints your friends. You see, God has prepared everything for us. The banquet of the kingdom of God is ready. And everyone has been invited, but only a few come. Most of us are satisfied with one or two courses. Maybe if we're really pious, three. But God has prepared eight courses for you. Eight wonderful courses. Well, I am not satisfied. I want it all. I want it all. I'll tell you a little personal story. When I was a young man, in my teens, I felt a very close connection to the patriarch Jacob. Long before I was ever Orthodox, I actually found someone and commissioned them, meaning I paid for it, to paint me an icon of the patriarch Jacob. That's how closely I felt to him, and I still have it. Because I used to wrestle with God. Every night, in my bed with tears, I wrestled with God. And the reason I wrestled with God is because I said, I will not let you go until you give me everything. Do not be satisfied with two or three courses. He has it all laid out for us. The world tastes sweet in the mouth, it becomes bitter in the belly. But the food of God, the bread of heaven, eaten in the place where God dwells, together, as a community, it is truly sweet and life-giving. Luke ends today saying, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Christ is born. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.